The next episode of Knit a Spell is about to begin. But first, a word from Katie and Jim. Hey, Knit a Spell listeners, are you looking for a magical accessory to add to your making or magical toolkits? Well, guess what? We have the perfect merchandise for you from your favorite podcast, Knit a Spell. The front of each bag includes our logo so that you can tell everyone that you're a fan of the best podcast that includes magic and making in the entire world that I'm currently aware of. If you're a maker, you'll especially love the magical sigil I've put on the back of the large drawstring bag, which will help you notice any mistakes in your project sooner than you might expect. The back of the smaller zip bag has inspiring notions to help get your creative juices flowing and is made from a sturdy fabric to house sharp things like scissors, needles, and more. Both of our Knit a Spell bags are available exclusively at makersmercantile.com. And while you're there, feel free to check out all the amazing making materials they have for knitting, crochet, and more. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into our episode. Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. So last time we talked a lot about the show and our vision and what we're here for, because I do remember like the big ideas Mm -hmm. and yeah, let's get to know you. So Katie Rempe, who is, you know, I really want to know this light from lantern and Katie Rempe. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the relationship between those two things. What is light from lantern and who is Katie Rempe and go. Oh, all right. So um, just a brief story of life. I was born. I learned it. <laughs> the rest is history. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, the name Light from Lantern came from my zodiac sign, which is Virgo. It turns out like a lot of my uh, chart is in Virgo um, and it tends to go around the number nine. And so initially, I actually thought of naming the company something along the lines of like Hermit Nine. Um, But as you might suspect, that's rather common. What? So. uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is that common? And what's with the number nine? Make that connection for us. Ah, yeah. So uh, tarot is sort of my metaphysical jam. Uh, It's more my specialty lies. Uh, yeah, the tarot cards. Yes. Yeah. Although I wouldn't say I'm a specialist by any means. I'm still learning as we all are. Um, but that's where, where I got into it. And so the uh, the card that represents Virgo is the number nine card, which happens to be the hermit. So it has all of these um, attributes that go along with being a Virgo as well. And so it really rings true for me. And so that's I see. Yeah. <laughs> so nine. So you're saying that the hermit in the tarot deck is somehow affiliated with the astrological sign of Virgo. That's right. I didn't know that. I think that's true of like the first 12. Is that true? Are associated with a zodiac sign? Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Virgo is another ninth. layer. Yep. Virgo is the ninth <laughs> sign. So that's we right. can remember it's in September. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm, the ninth yep. sign. And it's the hermit. Okay, so now this makes sense to me. And so for those not familiar with the tarot cards, what does the hermit card look like? If you were to describe what's in that picture. So typically it's a singular 
person or figure, um, usually like in a desolate area with a staff and a lantern, uh, usually with a six-pointed star within, which signifies wisdom, uh, which you obtain through sort of a self-discovery. So that's the whole card is sort of um, coming back away from everybody to learn more about yourself so that then you can bring it forward to others. Right. The whole like sort of root of the word hermeticism Right exactly. is going within or in this singular journey of discovering oneself and right. finding the wisdom or the light that's within. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, we could all use a little light with our knitting. So I figured it was kind of like a perfect tie-in, really, especially since it, for me, is like a really solitary craft most of the time. So um, it just seemed it seemed perfect. And while Hermit 9 didn't exactly uh, pan out as a name, I, I re-looked at everything I had sketched. And I thought, what's the one thing here that I really resonate with? And it was the lantern. So I knew I wanted the lantern. I scrubbed everything else and just kept staring at it and thought, okay, well, what can I do to rope this all in? It's the light from the lantern. I want to be the one teaching people how to do this pattern, this, you know, whatever the work is um, to teach it forward. So it just was like a perfect fit in the end. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. You know, it's interesting that... um, you know, what someone would focus on, right? Mm -hmm. There's several things, several iconic things that you could focus on in there. The lantern's certainly very prominent, you know, but people could focus on the staff and what that represents symbolically or the fact that the figure is often shrouded Mm -hmm. in a cloak or in a hood, something like that, that the figure is in a desolate sort of or a mountaintop type of environment, Right. Um, those are all images that I've seen on this particular tarot card. So that you picked up on the lantern and about the light. I think mm-hmm. that that's in one way it's like, well, yeah, of course. But in another way, it's very awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Particularly cool. So knitting as a solitary activity is interesting because, yeah, what if for people, I mean, is it even possible to buy, to be knitting on the same piece all at once? Like, if I had this section and they were all just connected at the middle, could we all be like knitting away on an enormous blanket? Or is that not so common? It's less common probably, but in a way it could be done. Um, there could be as many knitters sort of working from the outside or from the inside out in a way. It might be a unique kind of stripped style blanket, but it could totally be done. Um, you know, your imagination can make it real if you want it to be, right? That's the magic of knitting. <laughs> the, the reality is knitting tends to be solitary. Yeah, for, four for the hands, most part. Four hands are not better than two. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. It's great for <laughs> talking, but if you're going for, like, project sharing, that might lead to its own issues. Unless, you know, that's the look you're going for, a rather right. uneven knitting <laughs> experiment. <laughs> So as a Virgo, uneven knitting bothers you? Oh, my. Uh, I'm, like, immediately thinking of how you could block that out to get it out, and that I don't think you could. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the person that if the toilet paper roll is on the wrong way, because there's a wrong way, I'll flip it, even if it's at your house. Okay, what way is the wrong way? 
uh, wrong way is coming from underneath. The correct way is coming from over top. Over the top. That's right. Yes. <laughs> this this was once a really fabulous and hilarious conversation in my home during what? a party. And my Great mom. Great parties. Yeah, my mom noticed that the guest uh, bathroom, it was on the wrong way. So she flipped it around. And then the person that used it after her noticed that it was the right way and flipped it back just because she's subversive. And we, in that <laughs> in that story back and forth, we learned something, a lot. we learned a lot about those two individuals who were attending yeah. the party. Oh my God, that's a really great social experiment. <laughs> we should try doing this more often. Yeah. I like it. Oh my gosh, Wonderful. that's awesome. So I love this. So- Katie, what got you into knitting? Like, when did you start? I haven't asked you this, and I don't even know. But gosh, yeah, have you always knitted? Have you always done that stuff? Um, no. So I, I've always been very envious of people who pick up skills really young, like people who are skiers really young or knitters or anything like that. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for me exactly. Although my mother did try when I was younger. Um, she wasn't exactly like really advanced herself. So once I learned how to knit. And I didn't know how to fix it. She also didn't know how to fix it. And so that was that. Uh, So it wasn't actually until college when I decided to pick it up uh, because a friend of mine had also started knitting. And I was like, wow, she's like really going to town with this. I'd love to, you know, learn that too. And she actually is a big reason that I was sprung board into this whole knitting thing. So, yep, I I just didn't want her to have one more skill than I did. (laughs) I wanted to have that thing to talk about too. So um, yeah, and it ended up just, I fell in love with it. You can, you don't just make the thing, you're making the whole fabric into the thing simultaneously. And as someone who uh, does garment construction, um, it's really interesting to think that, you know, you're not just cutting out the piece, you're you're knitting it into the shape of the piece as you make it. It's It's really great. Right. That's a totally different concept. I hadn't even you know, thought I've sort of thought about, but I never really put those together that if I have a piece of woven cotton or some really great material that I'm sewing into, that I'm cutting out a pattern and Mm -hmm. sewing into a garment, that's one thing. And I'm shaping the garment based on how I sew, how I gather, how I dart and pleat and all those things, right? Right. But when you're knitting, you're shaping it as you go with increases and decreases, right? And then also the blocking later changes the way it'll fit. Exactly, yeah, so. Fascinating. I'm also proud of myself that I know that much and sounded like I knew what the hell I was talking about. I was like, he has been rope-a-doping me this whole time. He's a secret knitter. He's a ringer. He knows it all. (laughs) He's just been playing along this whole time. Very No, it's because I'm gay and I don't want my (laughs) card taken away. (laughs) <laughs> just inherent. Oh gosh, that's so great. We just know things. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. When it comes to fashion, and gar- we know things. Yeah, it's a sense. I love it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Seventh sense. Seventh sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So funny. So high school. Not. I will. I don't want to say jealousy. Admiration. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of high school competition got you into this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I. Um... Fantastic. And it it's, persists. It's not a terrible tool for learning. Yeah. No. <laughs> and here we go. It's sustained over time. So then you're knitting. So, but you're knitting. So you went to college for fashion design. Is that what I remember? That's right. So did that change your relationship with knitting? Yeah. So I hadn't really gone into fashion design thinking I'm going to 
be interested in knitwear particularly. Um, the school that I went to actually only really specialized in women's wovens, which was fairly limiting. Um, so if you were interested in doing anything outside of that, it, ca- it was really called for a lot of extra work, which we already had. Though- so. I like the alliteration of that. Women's wovens. Women's wovens. Yeah, I know. I I love good alliteration. But it's a Uh, little limiting. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, a woven fabric reacts way differently than a knit. A knit is like a magical fabric in itself in that it can, like, really range and and stretch to fit um, where woven is, like, a real pain. So, (laughs) Um, but yeah, there was really only one class in fashion school when I was there that had knitting and it was a machine knitting class and I did learn a lot there however it was only one semester and the information on how to calculate a pattern based on a gauge at that point totally escaped me and I I think I was in there for more office hours than I could possibly (laughs) tell her about Um, and now I look back at it and I'm think if only I had the knowledge that I had now back then, I could have made these amazing pieces with all of those awesome equipment that I had access to. But that's life, right? So, Well, I love that you say that you had office hours like crazy around that particular topic, that particular mm-hmm. class, because it shows that you had a real desire, you know, to yes. understand it and to like to get it. Yeah, I I was personally very confused as to why it wouldn't click. (laughs) So it was more of like self-determination, even though I think like the 10th time I went in there for the same question, she looked at me like, are you serious? Maybe a different class. And I thought, (laughs) no. So um, that's one thing you'll learn about me. I am tenacious, I Persistent. Yeah, exactly. So So then uh, after you get your degree, right, in mm -hmm. fashion design... And like, what happens? How do you uh, move into, how do you get to be a professional knitter? Is there such a thing? Is that a thing? Yes. There were supposed to be air quotes, professional knitter. Um, I would say yes, as much as anything is a professional, I suppose. Um, Do you get paid for knitting? Yes. So yes, I suppose I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did go to school to for it in a way. So yeah. Um, so there's a couple different avenues. I mean, you could go the more typical route that people would have done out of fashion school in a place that I went to, which is, you know, move to New York or LA or something like that, and then um, sort of work up the chain of command very slowly and forever um, from like basic to maybe something less than basic after 10 years. Um and uh, be like a knitwear designer where you don't actually knit anything. You just uh, sort of like make a sketch and then a machine in China makes it. So that wasn't really the avenue I wanted to go. I really liked the hand manipulation element of it um, and how personal it is. That's the reason I actually went to fashion schools because I loved making the garments um, more than anything, even though that was another thing I learned wasn't really uh, a job in most cases. So there you go. Um, So yeah, I I sort of have forged my own route to make this a thing for myself, even though generally it is not very typical for someone to be able to support themselves in our industry um, by themselves. So you have to really want it and you have to really be unique. 
Yeah. So the misperception is fascinating to me that like I get into fashion design because I'm an artist, because I love making clothes, because I'm making clothes before I go in there, Mm -hmm. because people are like, oh my gosh, I love that top you made. How did you do that? And I'm just totally, and then I get into fashion, like design school. And I realize in reality of getting a job in the garment district of New York, that is probably very little of what I'll be doing. I'll either be like running patterns through a machine Mm -hmm. or calculating things or designing things and then having those designs completely ripped apart because of, you know, saleability or makeability. How many seams does it have? Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. All those types of things. Right. So the, the happy and naive and joyful idea of, my creative juices can just flow freely Yeah, are quickly dashed in the reality of the fashion industry. Yes. Uh, Yes. Like so far as even one of my instructors said, none of you will be the next Christian Dior. None of you will be the next famous designer. So just accept that now, which I thought was like interesting because he was running his own design label. (laughs) I thought, well, he's got a great outlook for his brand then. What a jerk face. (laughs) Yeah, I I think he wanted to sound tough, but he just kind of sounds like a dick. A jerk, yeah. I mean, that's not the right attitude. No, that's the uh, a great way to get nothing. Yeah. Yeah, expect nothing. Okay, so. and so you have, I am hearing you, and so please correct me, mm. I'm forging my own path. Yes. I'm lighting my own way. Mm-hmm. Even. Yes. So how did you, so here you are with this realization, what did you decide to do? So um, basically, I graduated, realized the job that I really wanted wasn't really out there and spent uh, like the next three or five years sort of uh, working retail jobs, one of which was actually a really wonderful job uh, at a local yarn store, go figure, uh, because I was just looking for anything at that point that would get me out of the house. Um, That, you know, kind of allowed me to spread my wings a little bit. I got on really well with the owner. I still do. She's like family now. Um, And it sort of grew from there. And I thought, okay, well, maybe maybe it it can happen, but just in a different way. So can I just pause here for a second and shout out to all of our local yarn stores? Yes. We're recording this in early 2021 at the, what we hope is the ending Mm. of the pandemic yes yarn stores were having trouble before the pandemic yeah are one of my favorite ones that i would go to with i i think we've said in a previous episode my partner michael and and both and my husband richard both are you know one's a knitter and one's a crocheter Mm -hmm. and local local yarn stores are closing right with all the competition from next day delivery online whatever so Let's just shout out local yarn stores need your support. Absolutely. It is a, why is it important to have a local yarn store as opposed to next day delivery? Uh, because I doubt the delivery man or the person at the big box store that you're uh, purchasing these things will be able to help you when you have an issue with your pattern. Or if you are getting into it, you don't know exactly what yarn is appropriate. 
Uh, it's really easy to buy a yarn that isn't the correct thickness and then wonder what happened to your project. And that's not exactly uh, encouraging for carrying on. So um, you might pay a little bit more, but what you return in service and help is really worth its weight in gold. Um, it's priceless. So Yeah, and, and it isn't, in my perspective, when I go into yarn stores, which I do love to do, hmm. it isn't because the person is necessarily trying to be like, great customer service, like they would at a big box, even a big box craft store that might have people that understand knitting. Hmm. There's something about a yarn store that is people who have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Like they actually care and are facet and are interested in things. Yeah. This is where you can find also some fabulous yarns, some amazing textiles, right? Yeah. And like people who have used them and have actually like, I hope that everyone who owns a yarn store also is a knitter slash crocheter slash whatever you use yarn for besides that, right? Most of them are. I Yeah. I would maybe be a silent investor in one, but I don't know if... I think the the payoff is beyond money. I think it's joy. Absolutely. I think any um, any really small business owner would agree to that. I mean, whether it's knitters or, I mean, yeah. you know, in the magic world or whatever, um, that like small local store that sells your thing with the people who know, you know, maybe more than that you thing. do. And you're the person who's like the most nerdy in your group about it. You know, no shade on nerdy, just like, you know, you know the most. Um, it's really nice just to have a new person, a new perspective, and some place to go um, yeah. where you can feel safe to just yeah. be yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll ask my Amazon delivery person next time I order yarn if they know <laughs> how to fix my pattern. And I'll, I mean, I'll, you're, you're going to get the I'll one report, that knows. <laughs> I'll report back and see how that goes. Wonderful. Yeah. If uh, if it doesn't work out, I know the number for Amazon customer service. They're really great about answering <laughs> if you have about 27 hours to hold. So, <laughs> you know, during the next couple of days. <laughs> Oh my God, we're so bad. Okay, back to you. So yes. thanks for um, entertaining that shout out for local yarn stores. I think that's a, and local shops yeah. in all realms. Anyway, so, I mean, if anything, the I will say just one more. Um, yeah, for the ones that sort of haven't been doing so well, it's likely they hadn't been doing well to begin with, which you know sucks. However, I will say this has given people a lot of innovative opportunities. I have seen some local yarn stores like really blow my mind with what they're offering and how they're offering it, um, you know, just by way of like Zoom and things, you know, they're still oh, holding yeah, classes. Oh, yeah, what's an example? Oh. Um, yep, they're still doing um, uh, virtual trade shows where they're doing like the marketplace portion. So you like purchase a virtual ticket to log into a place that has, you know, lectures running like it would if you were in a live event and you can just go in and out from the comfort of your home or you can go um, into the more uh, marketplace area where there's a whole bunch of shops that have signed up and they're doing like a QVC sort of every hour uh, advertising situation. So, you know, something where I'm sure all these people a year ago were like, what? I don't even have a website. And now they have a website. They have a Zoom presence. They have all of this. So I think some of for some of them this year may have actually saved them. Um, so, yeah. Right. Innovation. I mean, I think there's that saying, never let a catastrophe go to waste. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, especially for us. 
Yeah, there's an opportunity for people, especially right now with like, you're, what are you doing while you're watching Netflix, right? Yep. Like, yeah. uh, Michael's so cute because we love um, horror movies and he's not a fan of horror movies. And so he has his um, emotional support knitting. <laughs> so, I, yes, as, I know all about that. <laughs> yeah, if there's a scene that is not, like okay or is scary or whatever then you can just look at your knitting and focus on knitting and sort of like not have to see the blood and guts on the screen i have done this exact thing (laughs) yes i recall doing this on like the second to last i think episode of game of thrones or something i i'm very interested in what's happening in the show but i can't watch it so i just need someone to tell me afterwards but in this instance i just watched backwards while i knit very fast <laughs> to what was happening some battle i was you, very anxious well there's a word for that now you can use this word it's called emotional support knitting i love it uh we yeah. could all use some emotional support knitting couldn't we? yeah i have an emotional support pillow that i'll hug mm, right mm-hmm. um but if you're a knitter you could Emotional support knitting. Wonderful. My dog will appreciate the break. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you have an emotional support dog. Yeah, Yeah, well, you know, it uh, Mm -hmm. did start that way, but now she's like my my little tumor. I'll never get rid of her. I love her. (laughs) Okay, so here we are. You're working at a local craft shop, and you love the owner. It's a fabulous experience, and And, are you able to knit? Oh, man, I was knitting like more than ever. Uh, at one point, I think I was our like top 50 customer list just because I was like, you know, when it's your whole life. Um, oh, wait, everything. you as an employee are also on the top 50 customer list. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Oh, no. Just to give you a sense of how much yarn I have access to. Anyway, um, you know, it happens. So, uh, so I was there for, gosh, like three years, learned a ton, uh, especially on how to be a better knitter, because nothing will help you learn more yourself than fixing and figuring out what happened to somebody else's project that you have no idea, you have not been knitting it at all. So you got to figure it out from right where they're at. Uh, and oh, so usually, they'll bring, are you saying people will bring in a, something that they're working on? Yes. And you'll have to sort of like... Ooh, it's like knitting forensics. Yes. Like go in and be like, count the stitches and figure out like, oh, what? They slap it on the table. We draw a chalk outline. We examine like what happened. Like, where did it go wrong? (laughs) Amazing. You take like DNA testing of like the beginning. They went from the one style of knitting to the other and can't figure out why it's different. Yep, exactly. Got turned around. (laughs) So yeah, basically it would be like a, a... eight hours worth of a mystery, uh, just people bringing in their things, you figuring it out and helping them learn how to fix it. It's good. Oh my gosh. That needs to be like, what does CSI stand for? Uh, classic criminal, criminal something. Uh, you can tell I watch it a lot, right? Yeah. I don't watch it. Either, <laughs> but we need something that's like K KSI, like knitting. Ooh, yeah. Like knitting. Investigation or whatever. Screw up investigation. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like it. New so. on Hulu, 
KSI. Yep. When Ooh. your knitwear goes wrong, that's right. We make we... it right. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, saving your stitches. So that, <laughs> so that was you. You yep. were the. So I was the stitch saver for three yep. years, and then one day I was uh, talked into moving to Ohio where I was uh, hoping that I could get a job for uh, at Abercrombie as a sweater designer. Because <gasps> at that point, I was like, well, knitting has got to be my life, right? Okay, so Abercrombie is headquartered in Ohio somewhere? Yeah, so Who, uh, a lot of places are rando to in me. Columbus. Well, I had no idea. That's just so random. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's <clears> a, <throat> Go look up the whole history of the limited brands. And um, it's a wow. great area to have a cheap um, you know, office building so anyway yeah so um so i was there and uh my friend was working at a nordstrom at that point and we were just trying to make make it happen and then so did you get that job uh, i did not <laughs> i moved up there for it had like four interviews did not get it um but you know that's life it wasn't meant to be because uh, then they laid off about a thousand people so i figured you know why get hired just to get fired yeah so yeah um, so I figured I dodged a bullet there. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I was offered a position at Scassell, which is uh, for anyone in the notes, they sell um, the Addy needles in North America, and then also Haiku yarn, Shuffle and Zitron. Um, and it was, I mean, it was my dream job, still is in a lot of ways. Uh, I learned a ton. I um, And you were in the... Le- part of the leadership team, weren't you in a leadership role there? Yeah. So over the years, I became a creative director. So I basically went from like a person who would assist everyone um, or like do the social media was more my jam. Uh, and then just kept saying, well, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, yeah, I'll try that. I'll try that. And then all of a sudden, one day I was a creative director. So I would make the yarn and the colors and the names and all of that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was a lot of fun for a lot of years. And then one day I just was like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing. Like, let's let's do this like in a kind of a smaller, more concentrated way. It's one thing to right. work for someone else. I think you'll probably know here um, <clears throat> and follow their vision. But it's another to sort of want to do your own. And I kept finding myself wanting to interject my own personal styles in there, even though it wasn't the company brand. So at one point, I just thought, well, you know, right. it's time. Let's let's so give it a shot. This- so this is where your creativity, <clears throat> once again, your creativity could was more expansive than the environment or the system you were in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so there's this desire that it, it's, I guess, maybe a really amazing signal that you've matured or that you've moved beyond, you mm-hmm. know, where you're at and you're ready to take on your own thing, right? Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, I don't think I really even knew what I wanted before, which is why it was so easy to sort of have someone else direct what I was doing. Um, And then one day I just realized I felt like I was in like a rat in a cage running around and around and around. And it wasn't because of anyone I worked with or the job, really. It just was because I tend to get bored of doing the same thing after too long. Uh, So I was like, all right. I don't I don't think I can do anything else here. So yeah. <laughs> I've done it all. I got to do something else. So and I still work with them a lot. I mean, a lot of my arm comes from there. Obviously, I <clears throat> might be partial to some of them. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah you love the uh, company and you love the products. Yeah, exactly. I worked really hard there for a long time. So I want them to succeed. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love Addy needles? Exactly. I hear that they're like, probably the best needles, right? 
I mean, they're certainly one of my favorites. (laughs) Okay, so then you decided Light from Lantern. So during this time, what I've seen Mm -hmm. through my little internet snooping (laughs) is like your previous brand, Mm -hmm. which was, I think, Katie Knits or something like that. Cater Tater Knits. (laughs) Oh, Cater Tater Knits. Yep. Super cute, right? And you have a ton of YouTube videos and a lot of like really great sort of things you were doing. And now there's this evolution of you as Light from Lantern. So Mm -hmm. what are the things that when you think about what Light from Lantern will provide people, Mm -hmm. like I... When I initially saw this, I, I thought, oh, I can go on to her Etsy page and buy a, the Ship to Shore shawl. Mm, it's hard yeah. to say, but I love yep. it. Um, <laughs> I can go and buy a shawl or a cowl or socks from, you know, Light from Lantern, and she'll either, you know, make them or have them, you know, made for me or, or whatever. And then I'll get these purple sparkly socks in this pattern, you know, yeah. whenever that shows up. But that is not what you're doing. No. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what is what what is the concept and what do you provide? So my previous brand was less fleshed out. It was more about the yarn and the design after. Um, whereas Light from Lantern is more of an experience-based um, design category. So it's not so much like oh, I had an idea for like a slight cuff or something, and then that turned into a design. Um, It's more about having a story and a reason behind the design um, and why someone would want to do it while also mixing in um, just little tidbits to help you recognize what you're doing and making it more meaningful that way. So sort of Becoming more conscious of what you're doing um, and by doing so, having the ability to upgrade in a way, you know, um, this is a lot of uh, magical based elements in my patterns. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for instance, I have grounding socks. Um, The whole idea behind those was it's a meditative pattern that can sort of help center you, especially if you're feeling a little bit lost. So there's an element of a magic in there by intending while you're knitting to have a grounded attitude. So unlike my other one, which was, hey, look at this fun thing I made. Want to knit it? Um, This is more of like a real experience. It's more than just, you know, $10 for instructions. Yeah. So then the product that I'm purchasing from you is the instructions, but also in not just instructions on knitting, mm-hmm. but also suggestions or an invitation to knit with intent and to put. Very well said. Is this correct? Yeah, very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then imagine um, I, what it what it inspired for me was not only is making the socks potentially a really great practice on meditation mm-hmm. and. Side note, I wonder if knitters are naturally better at meditation than the Mm. rest of us because it's a meditative, regular sort of thing. We'll bookmark that for a future episode or conversation. (laughs) Um, But I think that it's also to recognize it and to take that on as, oh, this can be very meditation. This can be a meditation. It can be an experience of, Mm -hmm. you know, infusing intent into it. 
then we can think about the finished product. So you knit the grounding socks and then you wear the grounding socks. Mm -hmm. Like what, how cool would that be for those to be, you know, garments that you wear with intent as much yeah. as you made them with intent, right? Absolutely. So if I put on the grounding socks, I can really then think about these are grounding. Yes. It's a great way to be all the time, which is connected to my body, understanding that I'm part of the earth, that there's an amazing metaphysical and physical and psychological connection with the people around me and with my existence here. Right. Don't give in to the chaos. Exactly. Yeah, my and don't give into the <laughs> chaos socks. Yeah. Maybe you should read. Maybe they need a rename. I'm kidding. Well, you know, maybe there's another one in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and the top's just like, whoa, chaotic. <laughs> don't give it. Yep. So, so that's fantastic. Uh, the biggest difference. Yes. Yeah, so. I love this. So, um, so people can go onto Ravelry. They can follow links from either this podcast page or from your website and they can purchase patterns from you in those instructions. Yeah, that's amazing. I never knew before, you know, for the magical people who don't knit, which all the knitters are going to roll their eyes right now. <laughs> you should know that there's probably a social network for every little thing. I don't Absolutely. think knitting is a little thing. I think it's a huge thing. And certainly the social like, and marketplace uh, behemoth that is this this website this yes. it's not a website this Ravelry. thing called Ravelry mm -hmm. right it's big. is pretty amazing yeah so big it can even spark controversy even in the knitting world I'll no I, I can't imagine what? a group of people having different opinions what, uh, so. what? yeah so speaking you know that's it's an interesting thing so. That you already have this idea that knitting can be magic, mm -hmm. right? Yep. You're bringing it, bringing it into reality with your new, you know, light from lantern company. That's right. Um, my question, I guess, is what do you need me for? I'm kidding, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like. How do you see, and we talked about this a little bit last time, but I'm curious about where's this going? Like, mm -hmm. what do you hope for in the future? We kind of talked about now. Yeah. Like, where do you, what do you want to do that you're not sure you can do yet? I have some really um, big ideas, which <gasps> you, I don't want to share publicly okay. yet, but I would share with you off air at some point. Um so there's a lot but of... you can share plans. the general ideas. <clears throat> yeah. Um, essentially, I just want to expand on the idea of what it is to explore the crossovers between the magic of knitting um, and making in general. Because I realized the other day when I was asking myself, like, okay, well, why... Why is it literally magic to knit something? You know, it's yarn at one point and then it's a sweater. Like it doesn't just jump into being a sweater on its own. I'm not that type of witch yet. Um, <laughs> although it would be lovely. The knitting, um, the, the, the needles clacking away on their own exactly. Harry Potter style. Oh my gosh, I know. Unfortunately, you have to do it. Or fortunately, you get to do it. Fortunately, um, yes. And by doing so, you have this thing that takes you time to make. So even if it doesn't come out perfect, the odds of you caring more about it than that sweater that you bought at Target for $12 is 
100 percent. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you were to give it to someone again, even if it was full of holes, if you told them you made it, they're going to be like, wow, I can't believe you made this. Um, it's always more meaningful to make something than just to buy something that wasn't even made for the recipient, wasn't made initially for you. You know, it's it's cheaper to go out and buy the sweater, but is it better? There you go. Yeah. And it gets into that definition of what's better, right? Yeah. So I love how you're thinking along these lines and bringing like an I- ideas around expanding and doing more. So I can't wait for these to be announced. I can't wait and, you know, for the time when you're ready to say, and now I'm doing blah. Awesome. It's been so much fun to get to know you. Um, <sighs> so tell me once again, tell everyone mm-hmm. where to go to find out about you and to learn more. Yes. So you can always visit, of course, knitaspell.com, which is where you can find more about our podcast, which is conveniently located within the Light from Lantern family. So you can also go to uh, lightfromlantern.com to see all of my patterns. You can also see all sorts of fun uh, consulting gigs that I can do. Um, So if you are a shop owner or a knitter or you have some other idea for something, you can always uh, slide into my DMs or shoot me an email. Um, Yeah, so there's lots of great stuff, including lots of video support. So I try to set up people with as much uh, support, especially nowadays when you can't as easily go into a yarn store uh, just through my YouTube channel. So you can find it all at lightfromlantern.com. <laughs> Yay! Yes, I love but that. Jim, tell yes. me, where can folks find out more about you? Because now, don't tell, don't give away too much because we're going to go into the full details next week, but at least give them where they could uh, get a little info between now and then. A little more about James Devine. Mm-hmm, yes. A little moose-boosh. Moose Boosh. Yes. Um, TheDivineHand.com is where you can find me, where you can subscribe to my email list, where you'll get regular modern mudras, which are, which are sigils or, or, you know, positions of the hand that inspire energetic ways of being. Um, You can use those to totally transform your life, to help you, get through anything. So I send those out oh once or twice a month, not to overwhelm people. Perfect. And that's the big thing. You can find me on Instagram is my favorite place to be on social media mm-hmm. at Divine Hand Gym. And that's exactly where I met at Light From Lantern. That's right. On Instagram. By the way, follow her Instagram because the photos are fantastic. Yeah. And you see the the Like you don't see the pattern. She's not posting patterns, but she's posting the finished product, which is completely inspiring to say, oh, I want that particular, you know, thing because I want to look like a supermodel in the woods modeling (laughs) a shawl. <laughs> Where was there a supermodel in the woods? It was oh you. Oh my god, me? It was just what? You, yeah. No, stop it. Oh my god. Stop. Uh, a little bit more. Don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, this has been that, a blast. Jay. I love this week's episode and it's yes. so fun. I learned new things about you. Ditto. I, just I can't wait for next it. week. I know I'm in the hot seat next week, aren't I? That's right. Get ready Shoot. to get grilled. It's Jim the Magician. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget, new episodes of Knit a Spell are conjured every Wednesday. Learn more at knitaspell.com and follow our Instagram page at knitaspell. If you have a quick second to support the show, feel free to drop us a review on iTunes or share this with a friend. Jim and I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.